This is the Entrepreneurs vs. Coronavirus podcast with your host, Ryan Kononoff. In this next interview, I had the opportunity to speak with Damon Gruel, Senior Operations Manager and Co-Owner of Centurion Trucking. What I love about this interview is the mindset that Damon has maintained throughout much of this pandemic. From how he chooses to prioritize his people, to how he's finding ways to improve communication with customers and staff alike. He goes on to talk about how they rapidly pivoted to service the greatest needs in the market today and touches on how they're not after making a quick buck, but rather have been focused on building trust, long-term relationships, and on doing the right thing. Best of all, they've largely been able to maintain their revenues and have acquired new customers, making this a story of how one business is thriving. Let's dive in. Damon, welcome to the Entrepreneurs versus Coronavirus podcast. For those that haven't heard of Centurion, tell us a little bit about your business and a little bit about what you do and who your typical customers are. Thanks for having me, Ryan. For Centurion Trucking, we're pretty much a trucking company that goes long distance into Canada and USA. So our trucks go all over from Miami, New York, California, Alaska, Toronto, Montreal, pretty much anywhere and everywhere is, is where we go. We haul general freight and some of the commodities that we try to go after is a, a lot of food products. So that keeps us fairly busy, but we also do any sort of general freight, which is considered like electronics. We do things like retail merchandise, like clothing, shoes, you name it. Uh, we've done things like bank machines, Louis Vuitton. It's a wide range of, of products that can fit into our trailers. In our industry, there's a saying called, if you bought it, a truck brought it. So just to give you an idea. <laughs> yeah. And how large is your team? How many staff do you have? What's the makeup of office versus drivers, owner operators, and so on? For staff in the office, we have about 12 to 14 people. And for drivers, we have about 70 to 80 company drivers and about 13, 14 lease operators. Okay. And a little bit about your revenue model. How do you uh, generate revenue? A lot of it comes from our general freight um, work that we do. So just working directly with customers, retailers, wholesalers, manufacturers. We also work with third-party logistic companies. We also partner up with other trucking companies to move their freight. But yeah, a lot of it is just freight revenue, just moving people's products from point A to point B. And from that revenue base, what proportion would you call repeat business or the same, whether it's a logistics or a freight company coming back or B2B moving their goods, what proportion of that is repeat business? Definitely a good chunk of it. I would say anywhere from 60 to 80% is repeat working with the same clients on a repeat basis. Okay. And how did you get into the transportation space? What's your background that uh, got you to where you are today? Uh, it was definitely by accident, nothing that we go to school to to learn about. I think I was pretty much trying to save money for school. I had some passport education scholarships before to, to get into school. I grew up quite poor. And one of my friends had come over and his dad was trying to get some help doing some trucking work. And at the time, I had an old school flatbed scanner and I was able to help him with some document work that he wanted to get done. And he said, hey, what are you doing right now? And I said, well, I'm going to school part time and I'm uh, working at a propane company. And he said, hey, let me get you an office job. And so that was my introduction into trucking. At the time, I thought it was just an office job. I was actually a safety manager, (laughs) retraining about 100 drivers at the time. So this was I was 18, 19 years old, training people three times my age sometimes. Definitely, it was, a, it was a different experience, but again, I was just appreciative for the job, and, and I thought this is what office job looks like, so <laughs> didn't really know 
going into the the workplace, what to expect and, and what these types of jobs were. But just being there, I saw a lot of opportunity and a lot of it was just to help out the immigrant community. And I noticed that a lot of these guys that were able, that had a class one license and that were trucking across Canada and USA, that they actually had pretty good lives. They were able to buy like nice cars and, and they, they were building homes on the side. They were able to put their kids through school. And I thought, hey, if this is something that can actually give people equal opportunity, maybe this is something that I want to get myself into a little bit further. I tried to leave a couple of times because, you know, I figured that it wasn't going to be for me. And I, and I always wanted to be more on the accounting side of things. Maybe I wanted to be a police officer at one point. But I didn't really think trucking was going to be a career. Once I figured out that I kept getting dragged back into it, that I eventually went, ended up going to uh, BCIT to get my education in international trade and transportation. And, and at that point, I was committed and knew I was going to stick in this field for a while, although I never thought I was going to own my own company. But eventually, things led me to, to do that as well. And how long has Centurion Trucking been around? Centurion was around in 2008 and in uh, 2012. That's when we kind of decided to kind of you know, push forward on it. So we, we actually tried to grow the company in 2012. So let's pivot and let's talk a little bit about coronavirus. What were your immediate thoughts when coronavirus and COVID-19 started to hit the news? Immediately, I think when it came in the end of 2019, I just thought there's another thing that's not a part of North America. So it's not really going to concern us. And uh, I didn't really think too much of it until uh, February, I think it was. And February is when, when I saw it spreading more into Canada and USA. And, and definitely it gave me a little bit of a, of a scare. But I wanted to right away kind of go and, and see, you know, who are we aligned with when it came to our customers? A good majority of the customers that we have are food and beverages. But there was a good maybe 30% to 40% that wasn't. And I kind of started playing all these models into my mind and saying, okay, well, what situation is going to come out of this? And so there was about two or three different scenarios that I, that I ran through and, and I would, you know, talk to our, our sales team and discuss it. And then also with our dispatching team to see who are we aligned with, how are we going to get through closures that are going to come about. And uh, a lot of stuff we were planning about a couple of weeks before it, it became uh, a pandemic, I would say. So those three sort of scenarios that you talked about internally, were those different directions that you could see this going to either positively or negatively impact the business? Or can you get a little bit into that? Yeah, definitely. So one was just to take a look and say, okay, well, what I'm predicting here is that a lot of the non-food companies are going to start shutting down because of closures that are going to start coming into Canada and U.S. And this is when they were first starting to talk about social distancing or I was paying attention to more of what was happening in China and how everything in China was being right. shut down. So again, you just, you take that same business model that was happening there and you apply it here and you say, well, businesses are going to be shut down. There's going to be restrictions. What are the essential goods that are going to have to move? And so right away, I just told my sales team, I said, hey, let's focus on the companies that are doing food, beverages, essential services like medical supplies. Let's try to figure this out. Let's see which industries are going to get busy and which industries are going to start slowing down. And we kind of went over our customer list and said, okay, well, let's take a look at the customers that we're working with, which ones can potentially slow down. And so again, just making everyone in the company create that awareness about, hey, let's think about what can actually happen instead of just doing the day-to-day. A lot of times when you're in a business, you just focus on, okay, what's happening right now and, and what the current demand is right now. And for mm-hmm. me, it's always, let's think a couple months ahead because again, we don't want to be stuck on the downside of this coronavirus and really let it impact the company just because we have a lot of investments into our equipment, 
a lot of overheads in this in this type of business. Yeah, that's super smart. Do you have any data that you can share around what percentage of your revenue was what I'll just call general goods and how much that transition to what I'll refer to as essential goods over that the last few weeks? Or do you have a sense of what that looks like? Yeah, I think it was about a 60-40 split. And that's just me doing a little bit of guesstimate sure. based on our clients. But I, I think that's what it was. And and just in the last little while, we've been trying to make it more of an 80-20 split. We're still predicting more companies, especially the, the ones that we're dealing with, to, to possibly shut down as well. It depends. It's really tricky. So even when we look at produce or food products, now we look at, okay, there's actually the food product itself. But then there's also packaging, the pallets that it has to be placed onto for transport the refrigeration supplies uh, to kind of cool the produce or cool the food. But there's a number of things that we think about, okay, you know, what, what, what other commodities can be impacted, which ones are going to be considered essential to actually keep the food supply chain going. We often have to think about not just the product itself, but, you know, what are those products composed of and what are the logistics of those products and, and where, where will they come from? So a lot of the stuff is, Again, trying to figure that out to see, okay, well, because we service North America, a lot of times when we're, we're sending a truck out of here, if we're not able to get food products to move out of BC, now we have to look at what other commodity is going to get us into the place where we have to get the product that's going to come back. And if we can't, right. then we have to talk to our customers and say, okay, well, we, have, we may have to send the equipment down empty to pick up your product. And there's a lot of information that we have to provide our customers with to explain that because a lot of people just automatically assume that, hey, trucks just show up everywhere and food just magically appears into our grocery stores. <laughs> but there's, yeah. a, there's a lot of logistics that goes on being, you know, behind that. Of course. Yeah. So let's backtrack to just before the crisis. What was the biggest challenge you were facing as a business at that time? At that time, I mean, business was running fairly smooth. We're always looking to see how we can solidify our existing partnerships with our customers. We always want to be able to give our customers the, the most value. I think just some of the challenges are just getting that set up to, so that you can almost put it on a, on a cruise control and, and make it almost automatic. We were just focusing on building better relationships, trying to see if we can get higher volumes with those customers. We're always trying to get good and talented staff into our office. So those are things that we consistently try to work on. Even mm-hmm. just, just communicating with drivers and creating training programs or awareness programs for them. But yeah, it was a regular day-to-day. It wasn't anything major that we were facing obstacles on. Now let's fast forward to post-pandemic and now there's lots of new realities that are hitting. And you've mentioned a lot of the challenges that you have been focused on recently. What would you pinpoint as sort of the key business challenge that, that you've been facing and have been working to overcome at this time? So actually, maybe I can revisit the, the previous question just a tiny bit. So one of the other sure. models that I was actually considering or was talking about with our team was saying that, hey, once these closures happen, what's going to happen in this industry? A lot of industries are going to close down and there's going to be an abundance of trucks. And so this was my mindset going into it and saying, okay, well, you know, there's going to be a lot of trucks in the marketplace. Everyone's going to try to go for the market share. We may end up losing some of our existing business. And so that was my first model that I played out there. When it happened, when the whole pandemic happened, all of a sudden there was a, a big surge on everyone trying to hoard a lot of the toilet paper, the, the food <laughs> products and the medical products. I mean, the, the system was just going crazy. And yeah. uh, we had such a demand for trucking that 
there wasn't enough trucks in the marketplace to even move the stuff. So definitely trying to work on that. And, and when that happened, what I was trying to, again, tell our team is let's focus on the customers that are going to have a steady demand of this product, not the ones that are, there's a lot of temporary demand that comes out of it. And so a lot of guys, when they can't get their regular carriers to come out or their regular providers to come out and do the service, they're looking for someone to fill the void temporary. And for us, we, we never want to be that temporary company we want to be that long-term partner that they see value in and and so you know again i was just telling everyone hey let's pick our customers wisely let's make sure that we don't let any of our regular customers suffer if we're going to do any temporary work and with the temporary work what happens in a marketplace where there's supply and demand the, the rates go really high so you really can say oh well i can make a few extra dollars but you know again my thing is always letting our staff know is don't go after the money rather go after the the long-term customers that we mm-hmm. work with and, and make sure no, no one there suffers. And, and those are, these are times where we can actually show our service and, and show them that extra value. So that part was really important. After that happened, there was a lot of scare about the coronavirus out in the industry. And so the industry started losing a lot of drivers uh, right away. There was some, uh, a lot of false information that was going out in the marketplace and um, there was one audio in particular where drivers were telling each other to, to stay home for a couple of weeks. I think it happens when a lot of people don't understand the supply chain. And at that point, when I started noticing that a lot of drivers were starting to call in sick or were telling us their problems about how they're getting a lot of social pressures to stay home. And a lot of family members are also calling them from out of town and saying, hey, you know, you might want to stay home until this whole thing blows over. I mean, it's, it's great advice, but in the back of my mind, I'm saying, well, how are we going to get food to people that really need it? And Mm -hmm. how do we get food that's going to be affordable for the people that aren't making high wages to be able to afford it? Right. And, and that's something that that's always dear to me is saying, okay, well, you know, great. You know, anyone that has money is always going to get whatever they want because, because money ends up buying whatever you, you kind of need. But when you're living on a, on a fixed income, on a low income, and you start noticing that the grocery prices are starting to rise because there's no trucks to bring the freight in. And now these guys are paying, you know, double, triple, whatever the cost is to get that product out here. They have to raise their prices in the stores just to, just to be able to, to bring it in. The grocery right. stores aren't going to, uh, you know, uh, observe that much of that, of that cost, right? That, that was a big challenge on, on our side because uh, we get calls from, from different companies, from different provinces. And I realized that this wasn't just a, a British Columbia problem. This was... Uh, cross Canada problem, <laughs> and mm-hmm. and into the and into the U.S. and in the U.S. and and so you know where I thought there was going to be a surplus of trucks, now we're seeing a huge shortage of trucks, even though industries were starting to shut down, and that's because a lot of drivers were choosing to stay home. And I think we're also seeing this in the medical system as well, where it's kind of scary for some of the people to to be out and to be working when when they when they think that they're going to compromise their family members at home, and that was a, a real problem and, and still is a a pretty big problem that's still in our industry where we have to get our drivers PPE uh, equipment so that they're, they're able to go out on the road and feel safe when they're doing their job. And we're competing against hospitals. We're competing against people that are panicked, um, <laughs> you know, that, that may just be sitting at home and, and they want PPE just to get out into the grocery stores. I mean, it's been very difficult for us to source some of the supplies uh, like the sanitizers, the, the face masks, we just recently got uh, face shields for our drivers, but um, there was so much commotion that, that happened with coronavirus. So with all that negative news, now instead of focusing on the actual business, I started focusing on the actual industry, which was, okay, well, there's a lot of negative press in this industry. How do we make it positive? 
And so in a situation where I was on the sales side of things recently, I had to transition back into saying, okay, well, let's get back into the business side of it because we lost employees. <laughs> right. So yep. where I was, wasn't expecting to hire a rush of drivers, we had to really get out and, and look at, okay, how do we fill these gaps? How do we get drivers back on the road? How do we send out positive messages in the industry so we can actually support the entire industry to get back on the road? How do we create campaigns to fight this negative information that's out there? And so we put a huge emphasis on social media. We put ads out in our local uh, community radio programs, just supporting frontline workers, which included truck drivers, retail workers. I mean, when I think about it, it just blows my mind how many people are probably affected, <laughs> you know, um, and, and a lot of the essential services that we, that we expect. I mean, a lot of these people are also getting a lot of pressures to stay home as well and, and to stay protected. But um, I, I think just being in this industry and, and what the industry has actually been able to, to give us, we were looking to return that favor and figured it was a good time to step up in our industry, step up for the community, change this negative into a positive. So you touched a little bit on the workforce side of things. Let's dig into that a little bit more. Can you talk about how this has impacted? I mean, you've got drivers all over North America. We're really starting to see the numbers on the media and on, on news rising in other parts of the U.S. and other parts of Canada how has this impacted your ability to actually do business and to continue to be able to generate revenue and have the people in place to, to facilitate that? It's definitely been difficult. I think at a time like this, I mean, you know, there's very few customers that we could even approach. So our sales side has gone down quite considerably because there's a pandemic going on. People are, are worried. People are stressed out it's not the best time to be doing sales <laughs> for sure. Um, we're just trying to figure out how to help people that are in need. So just trying to see how we could leverage our relationships, work with community, work with government agencies. It's uh, it's quite challenging. So since we know that we can't really focus too much on that, so we try to focus on, on things that we have control over, which is getting drivers back on the road. So putting out the advertisements for that working with industry associations to get a better campaign going for positivity for our industry. And so a lot of these campaigns, they went out to customers just because, our, again, our drivers were facing such challenges on the road. You probably heard it on the news where these guys are, are not able to, to access washrooms anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, so many restaurants shut down that they, they can't access food. They can't access those rest stops that they would normally go to to use a bathroom in. And so one side, they're fearful of even getting this virus uh, uh, the second thing compounded on that was that they're losing so many of the resources that they had on the road as well. And so we had to go back and educate people and say, hey, you know what, if you want your product, you're going to have to allow these guys to, to be able to use some of these facilities to actually get them to do their work. I mean, they're on the road for seven, eight days at a time. So, I mean, you know, the biggest challenge for us is, is just getting that information out there and, and allowing these guys to be able to do their job properly and, and not having them impacted by people making rash decisions where they're not considering uh, what these guys are doing and how vital they are to keep our, our supply chains going. Right. And can you share how this has impacted your business as far as revenue? Do you have a percentage or anything you can share, whether you've seen an increase in revenue or a decrease in revenue and what that looks like when you saw that start to hit and whether or not you've been able to acquire any new customers at this time? We've had ups and downs crazily over the last little while. So again, in the beginning, there was a huge demand for trucking services. So we saw a big surge in business. 
after when all this negative news came out and these viral audios came out telling drivers to stay home that we lost a bunch of drivers so then we were down <laughs> we were losing money or something but we had a lot of equipment that just sat for a while and that's something I totally did not picture happening now we've been working at getting those drivers back at the same time we've been also lucky enough to be able to pick up new customers even though we lost some customers that had to shut mm-hmm. down because they were non-essential services we were able to gain some of the essential service customers just because when we were losing drivers, other companies were losing drivers yeah. to a large extent as well. And now it's just a race on who can get those drivers back on the road and who can service these customers quickly and, and, and properly, you know, and, and that was, that was a challenge, right? I mean, I'm just thinking about it now. It's just, it's, it's, it's very hard to explain, but looking back and just saying as a business owner, like my head was everywhere. It was in 10 different spots at the same time. <laughs> so it yeah. was, you know, we had office employees that left as well. And I was covering for those office employees because they were too scared to come into the office because a lot of our drivers were going into the epicenters like New York and California. And they're saying, hey, man, our drivers are going to the States. We don't want to get this virus to our families. And we're trying to set up, you know, the remote uh, services for our employees. And for some of them, we had to have them come in for at least an hour, two hours to set it up. And they were too scared to do that. So we lost our, our safety manager at the time. We lost some of our logistics people that were organizing some of the loads. So again, I was trying to balance those out. I was out there training drivers at the same time <laughs> and uh, <laughs> trying to work with customers to see, okay, well, which customers do we have to do, uh, have to work with at this time? So again, it was a lot of runaround. But just going back to the, the revenue side, everything's dependent on our drivers and it's also dependent on our customers. If we don't have drivers, we, we can't service customers. So trying to balance both of those out. And then we also need the office staff to be able to maintain those customers and to maintain the driver services that they, that, that they vitally need at this time as well. So yeah, it was, uh, it was a lot of up and downs, but I think you know, we went from uh, seeing a surge in business to going down and now getting a lot of drivers back on the road right now. And I think it's kind of leveled out a little bit where I think uh, we, we still have a couple of trucks that are still sitting in our yard. Uh, looking for good drivers to to come back. We had a lot of drivers that went into quarantine, some that were coming back from vacation. So again, we're we're short a lot of, a lot of those drivers, which um, which hopefully should be coming back out of quarantine. So yeah, it's a balancing act for sure. But you you have the the ups and downs of the of the coronavirus. This crisis, I've, there's been lots of different timelines thrown out, and I think there's different timelines that we're seeing in different parts of North America as well, as some areas are perhaps responding more quickly than other areas have responded. If this continues on beyond, you know, four or five, six months, what do you see as your single greatest challenge? The greatest challenge is going to be one is just to keep this coronavirus out of our company and to keep our drivers safe. That's going to be first and foremost. If we do have a spread in the company, we know it it could spread quite quickly. So we're trying to take all the measures to make sure that we practice the social distancing we question the drivers every time they come in. We try to pay extra attention just to see if they're feeling any symptoms. The main thing is, is getting the information to them, making sure that they stay home if they feel sick whatsoever so it doesn't spread within the company. So number one is going to be that. Secondly is if this gets worse before it gets better, we also have to pay attention now to customers. There's still certain customers that are operating right now that may not be deemed as essential services. We have to kind of run our models again to see, okay, well, which customers are going to be around for five, six months from now, or if we get into a lockdown situation where they want to lock down more businesses, which ones are going to affect us. So we, we have to run those models to keep track of essential versus non-essential providers. 
So Damien, what's next for Centurion Trucking as we transition now or have transitioned into April? What do you see as the greatest opportunities in all of this? And how are you focusing on getting your team to continue to think around innovation and adapting to uh, what you see as, as the future opportunities for your business? I think I see the greatest opportunity is being able to, to serve our community. I think it's a, there's a lot of emphasis put onto the trucking industry right now. And so really showcasing companies that are able to, to handle stressful situations. So I think a lot of the things that we do during this time is going to actually set us up for future as well. So, you know, the first one is just, just employees know that you're taking care of them at this time. We're able to get those future drivers to come and join a company that takes care of their drivers. And when business does seem to pick back up, the company that's going to have the drivers, that's going to be able to pick up the surge when the economy tries to get back up and running. We're going to see drivers choose companies that they actually want to work with. And I think customers on the other side will look and say, okay, well, which company was actually servicing us during the difficult times or when they saw surges in their products and who was able to help them with their fluctuations when it came to to certain peaks and uh, in their business. Even when their businesses went down, what were companies doing to help them in their downtimes as well? Again, a lot of it's just communication, but I think I, I see a, a lot of opportunities that if anyone's able to handle this situation in the best way that they can, I think customers and drivers are both going to recognize those companies and, and those are the ones that they're, they're going to choose to grow with. I think, unfortunately, I think we're going to see a lot of companies fall down that aren't able to maintain their expensive payments and overheads. Yeah, I love what you said there about looking after your people. It's this idea that you look after your people and they'll look after you. And obviously that just helps with recruiting, which you've mentioned is such a a key part of your focus right now is ensuring that you've got the right people in the trucks and that you're doing a great job of educating them. So really love that. And I think that investment model is key in particular at a time like this. So for those that are listening and maybe they're struggling in their businesses and they haven't found a way to pivot or to shift or to innovate, what resources or what suggestions could you make to them? My biggest thing is, is just adapt to the situation. You really have to have your ears to the ground and just the people in your organization. Listen to what the feedback is and see how you can adapt. Some of the stuff that we did is just knowing even in our sales process that if we can't go out and fly and meet people because our customers are based all across North America, let's start making videos and sending them videos. So we went into a, a video format of doing a sales presentation rather than trying to go there in person and trying to speak to somebody. And we figured, okay, well, you know, understanding what they're going through that sometimes they're stressed out or, you know, nobody wants to talk about sales. So we, we said, okay, well, how can they watch something at their own time? How do we not bother somebody? And so the easiest way to do that was to make a quick video ourselves and send it to them so that they can watch it at their convenience. It's not intrusive into what they're doing. Let's sympathize about them and their situations. There's a lot of companies that felt so much strain that you really have to understand who your clients are and what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. But at the same time, if you do understand what your clients are going through and you can put yourself in their shoes, there's a lot of ways that you can adapt and not be a company that's going to get rolled over by this coronavirus, but look at ways to thrive and excel and to be able to highlight what you do and if you're in a non-essential business and you had to shut down, there's so many ways that you could be creative. I mean, we saw stories with companies like Earl's where a restaurant chain could have stayed closed, but they 
decided to open their restaurants up for grocery now and prepared meals. There's a lot of ways to adapt at a situation. Even for when I look at our company, we could have easily just said, let's just reduce the amount of trucks for the amount of customers that we have remaining. And let's figure this out and, and see if we stay alive. But it's a chance for us to step up and be able to serve our communities. I, I do this personal training and, and what, they, what they talk about is, you know, you can live in a, in a fear and scarcity mindset or you could live in an abundance mindset. And uh, I think if you get into that fear of, we don't know what's gonna happen. Oh man, I'm gonna have to close my doors. I'm gonna have so many payments. And you get stressed out for those facts. It's gonna put you into a hole and you're gonna eventually have your back to the wall. Whereas if you're strong enough to go fight for it, you're gonna figure out ways to make a living. You're gonna figure out ways to change your business dynamic to move forward. But I think situations like this, there's so many opportunities. I've been in different trucking businesses and uh, whether it was 9-11, whether it was a 2008 recession and this one now, I think out of every one of those situations, we've been able to really expand our businesses and uh, a lot of it is just fighting for it. So it's how bad do you want it? You can take the punches and go down or you can get back up and fight back. And I think there's just so much opportunity here. I love that mindset. Uh, I think that's such an important perspective to have on things right now. Thanks so much for being on the show, Damon. What's the best way for people to reach you if they want to connect? LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. We're usually on those platforms. You could look me up at Centurion Trucking. Give me a call directly if you want. A lot of people out there do have my cell number. So uh, I keep an a open door policy with, with our employees and, and our customers. So I'm always available. Great. Thanks so much. Appreciate you being on the show. No problem. Thank you, Ryan. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneurs vs. Coronavirus podcast with your host, Ryan Kononoff. For complete show notes and additional information, visit clearbridge.ca slash podcast. Ryan is the founder of Clearbridge Business Solutions. To find out how investing in technology can help your business, especially during uncertain economic times, visit lifewithclearbridge.ca. Connect with Ryan on LinkedIn or on Twitter at Ryan Kononoff. That's R-Y-A-N-K-O-N-O-N-O-F-F. Thanks for listening.